Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a travel podcast where we explore our year in the national parks, our international travel experiences, and our love for everything budget travel. We're Cole and Elizabeth Donaldson, a regular Midwest couple who quit our jobs and set off on a year-long adventure to visit all 59 U.S. national parks in 2016. That set off our travel addiction, and since then we've traveled to over 50 countries. We've made travel a priority without breaking the bank, and we're here to share that with you. Hello, hello, everybody. It's just Cole here with you again. Uh, I am doing a follow-up episode to the last one all about Ireland tourism, Ireland National Parks, and my personal experience uh, traveling around the whole island. Um, So if you missed that one, go check it out. I think you'll find it interesting if you ever have, will, or plan to, um, hope to travel to Ireland. Uh, This is a follow-up, but pretty unrelated, uh, just because I was doing it, uh, I after leaving Ireland, I um, jetted off to, in the same stretch, Nigeria. Um, as I'll talk about later, it was part of a trip for where I was working during my MBA, and um, I'm going to share some live reports from Nigeria on the ground later on, but before all that... Um, and before giving you that real colorful firsthand experience of what it was like to be in the country, just sharing some stories of what I did. Um, before that, I want to talk about in Nigeria as a country, uh, Nigeria and its tourism destinations, and the, of course, national parks. So uh, that's what we'll go through today. Uh, it's you know, Nigeria as a country may not be tops on many people's um, country list, uh, tops on your destinations to hit, but um, I think, it, you know, and it, uh, personally it wasn't on mine either. I, I, I you know, honestly can't say that I would have traveled there had it not been for this you know, trip through work, but... Um, if you do have the opportunity, I have found out on that trip and then since doing some research for this podcast about exactly how much there is to do there, how rich the cultural experiences can be, how incredible um, and diverse the landscapes are, and just what an overall um you know, unique, one-of-a-kind experience you can have if, if you visit Nigeria. Um, so first of all, you know, without uh, further ado, I'll just cover a little bit about the country in general. Um, like I said, it wasn't on my list. I wasn't too familiar before taking this trip, and you might not be either. Um, it's a country in Western Africa. It Um, borders, you know, it's in the region of Niger, Cameroon, Chad. Um, It's kind of in the crook of Africa. 
uh, right on the coast. You know, the northern part is, starts to bleed into the Sahara. The southern part is part of that curve uh, of the West African coast. So um, it's a not too huge of a country. There are definitely bigger ones in Africa. Um, but as far as population, it is gigantic. It has about two, an estimated 200 million people uh, in 2019. And uh, the crazy thing is that it has, you know, is estimated to have the third highest uh, population of youth in the world after India and China, with more than 90 million of its people under the age of 18. So this is, you know, a rapidly growing country. The World Bank designates it as a an emerging market, and um, although it has the 20th largest economy as of 2015. Overall, based on GDP and purchasing power and whatnot, it is really becoming a powerhouse, not just in its Western Africa region or in Africa as a whole, but in the whole world, for sure. Um, It's got a really interesting history. It was one of the many countries that is a former uh, British colony, and like many, it was held by the British until recently. Uh, It didn't declare independence until 1960, I believe. And then um, it had a big civil war from 1967 to 1970. And according to Wikipedia, it alternated between democratically elected civilian governments and military dictatorships. Um, finally got stable uh, democracy in 1999, and only in the 2011 presidential election was it considered to be a fair, uh, a reasonably fair and free election. So that just shows, goes to show like these countries, you know, former colonies, um, you know, former uh, civil war ridden areas can't transform overnight. Um, democracy is, is definitely a fragile thing. Um, but I, I will say, you know, even though it, it's, it's established kind of its political stability that recently, um, you know, we had no, there was no evidence of any type of unrest or, or anything when we were there. Um, you know, that all said, it is a very diverse uh, country. It's kind of divided up into three parts um, with, you know, the big northern area that's more um, deserty, more uh, arid. That is a majority Muslim area. Uh, it's, it's larger in area as well. It's where Boko Haram is in the far north eastern corner so you know don't don't go over there stay stay far clear um but then there's a western nigeria where the capital is and probably um most of the you know population 
um, big population centers, and then there's an eastern Nigeria as well. So there, it's kind of divided up into three big sections uh, and 36 states total. Yes. Um, so, you know, and of course, with all of that comes a ton of different languages, but English is the official language. Um, so, yeah, its currency is the Naira. Um, yeah, I could go on and on, but hopefully that gives you just a little glimpse of the uh, of Nigeria as a country. Um, and it, its capital, by the way, is called Abuja, and it's more or less in the center of the country. And then its biggest city, by far, is Lagos which at 21 million people is the largest city in Africa. So that gives you a brief overview of the uh, country itself. Now let's hit some of the highlights, things to do, tourist stuff. Um, first of all, there's a ton of stuff to do in Lagos where you'll probably fly in. That includes the National Museum, that includes Lecky, Conservation Center, which is a large expanse of forest reserve, um, very beautiful, lots of tours there, lots of uh, canopy walkways, stuff like that. Uh, there's also the Lecky Market and uh, various other flea markets, fabric markets. There is the Nike Center for Art and Culture, which is near and dear to my heart because we actually stopped there, uh, as you will hear later, uh, as one of our, um, as part of our trip and part of our uh, business with our client. There is the Freedom Park, the Central Mosque, there is a Cathedral Church of Christ, um, there's a beach nearby called Landmark Beach. There's also a um, Makoko floating community, which is a fishing community built on stilts out in the Lagos Lagoon. Um, and again, lots of these things have s uh, tours that you can take uh, and to explore safely, efficiently. Uh, and also there are a number of day trips, very uh, close to uh, close and far from Lagos. One of the closer ones is what is called the uh, Badgeri, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, or Badagri Slave Museum and Black History Museum in a coastal town that is nearby Lagos. And that is a very popular stop with lots of tours going there as well. Um, I should make the caveat that I have not been to any of these destinations besides the Nike Art Center. Um, this The trip I took, unfortunately, was not a tourist trip, but um, still got a real flavor of the uh, city. I guess we did go to um, a large market and experience that. But other things outside of Lagos, you know, keeping it going farther and farther out, there is the Alumo Rock, and that is a um, ancient city, 
that was used as a natural fortress during the intertribal warfare period in during the 19th century. So this rock is um, you know has a lot of history and culture behind it. It's a very large, significant rock that you can hike to, walk to, and has uh, like a cave uh, and a man-made uh, dwellings around and in the cave. There's also something called the Asun Asogbo Sacred Grove. I'm certainly not pronouncing that right, but it is in more of the, um, it's east of uh, Nigeria a bit, and it is a very sacred place that is in um, one of the last remnants of the primary high forest in southern Nigeria, and it's a um, symbol of identity for the people in the area. Um, and if you go there, you'll not only be able to uh, experience the f- uh, rare forest, but also see these um, carvings and and sculptures and sacred um, items that are throughout the forest. Another really cool way to visit Nigeria is to center your trip around a specific festival that takes place at a certain time of year. There are lots to choose from. Uh, There's an Islamic festival of Tabaski that happens 69 days after Ramadan and has very colorful processions of Calvary. There is uh, the Argungo Fishing and Cultural Festival, which happens around mid-February, is three days, um, and is you know said to be just one of the most interesting festivals in the country. There is the Osun Festival, which is near that sacred grove I just talked about in late August, and it's held in honor of the river goddess with music, dancing, sacrifices, uh, etc. Uh, there's the Igwe Festival that is in the first half of December in Benin City, and it has traditional dances, a mock battle, and a procession to, uh, that goes to the palace there. It marks the first, the harvest of the first new yams of the season. Thought that was interesting. Uh, there is the Calabar Festival, which is also during December with concerts and um, is closer to Christmas. And my personal favorite is the Durbar Festival. This has you know, been written up in, on CNN and uh, several places gotten buzz because it is an annual festival held up north, marks the end of Ramadan, and uh, has a huge parade of very colorful cavalry. And at one point, the cavalry here um, just takes off sprinting in front of the whole um, gathered crowd, and it makes a really interesting festival uh, with all of the horses decked out, the people in their traditional costumes. Um, Really, I've heard a sight to see. So 
definitely consider going during a time of one of these festivals if you can time it right to really add to that unique cultural experience because that is one thing that Nigeria certainly has a wealth of is some very different culture from what we you know might traditionally see in our tours um, so that covers some of the regular tourism per se and now of course I want to highlight one of my favorite topics our favorite topic uh, because we have this whole podcast centered around it the national parks um, so of course we think the national parks are one of the best things to do in any country when you tour there and Nigeria is no different. It has eight different national parks, and these, um, the first one was established in 1962. It has since, since gone into state control. That one's called Yankari, so, but we'll still call it the oldest. Uh, there were five that were designated in 1991, so that was a big year for national parks. And they are really spread all over Nigeria. Um, I'll, in the show notes, I'll add the map of these, um, the, the national parks. I'll also add some links to the things I've referenced and, of course, photos from my time there for later on uh, that I describe. But the national parks are really diverse because Nigeria itself is diverse, going from you know the arid, deserty area to more of the rainforest. The closest national park to Lagos, just a bit north, is called Old Oyo National Park, and it is a lowland plains. Uh, landscape, and it is um, rich in its buffaloes, its bush bucks, and bush bucks, and lots of different birds. Um, it also has different granite outcroppings. Um, so that is probably the most accessible. The second closest would likely be the Okumu National Park that is just a bit east of Lagos and it is a you know apparently shrinking area of national park because it is under intense logging pressure um, some of that is illegal logging pressure and it has a few different animals there, including the African buffalo, the endangered African forest elephant. Um, there are also 150 different uh, species of birds that have been identified there, 33 species of animals. So a very good place to go and check out the wildlife in a very forested setting. Extending further out from the epicenter of Lagos and farther north than Old Oyo is a national park called Kenji. And this one has three different sectors. It has Kenji Lake, where fishing is restricted. It has Borgu Game Reserve, and it has Zugurma Game Reserve as well. Um, so, again 
plenty of uh, fauna there. There's 65 mammal species, 350 species of bird. Um, these areas are largely savanna woodland, and um, in Zugurma, there is a bit more tree cover and forest, so um, lots of different things going on. The animals, by the way, um, include lions, leopards, elephants, uh, um, African manatee, uh, antelope, hippos, African wild dogs, which are extremely rare, cheetah, honey badger, so uh, plenty to choose from there. Oh, uh, crocodile, West African cro crocodile, so um, that sounds like an especially rich place to do a uh, game drive. Just further north of Kanji is Kamuku National Park, and this national park, again, is mostly savanna. It has antelopes, hartebeest, baboons, warthogs, bushbucks, uh, some monkeys, and definitely, again, good for game drives. Um, the last uh, national park that I want to go over in a bit more detail is called Cross River National Park, and this one has two separate sections, uh, the Okwangowo and the Oban, and these are really moist tropical rainforests, um, some of the oldest rainforests in Africa, and really biodiverse 16 primate species have been recorded, including uh, chimpanzees and gorillas even. So this could be a really interesting um, national park. It's definitely far on the eastern side of the country. It has um, falls, though, along the Cross River uh, and... It just, from the pictures, looks like a gorgeous scenery. Uh, the last two national parks include the Chad Basin uh, National Park, which has three different sections, all in the extreme northeast where Boko Haram hangs out. So, you know, personally, I would not venture up that way. And then the um, Gashaka Gumti National Park, which is actually the largest national park in the country at 6,700 square kilometers. So that is a, uh, again, brief overview of the eight different parks. They're very diverse, uh, and like most areas in Africa, most national parks, at least the ones that I've been to, really center around the wildlife you can see there. And just that gives you such a different experience than at least the national parks I've been in in the U.S., um, which to me have always been about the incredible majestic landscapes uh, first and foremost. And then the wildlife is a bonus. But the National National Parks, National Parks, Parks of Africa always flip that on its head.
So now that we've covered an overview of the country, the tourist destinations, and the national parks, I want to get into the live report of my experience in Nigeria. 6 a.m. here in Lagos, Nigeria. Got up at 4 a.m. because we were supposed to catch our van at 4.30, but it's running a little late. Um, we are going to travel to a rural village called Ogidi Kingdom uh, or Ogidi Town in a few hours. It's not too far away, but the roads aren't the best, so it'll take about an eight-hour drive. But once we get there, we're meeting with the king and receiving his royal welcome, so that's really exciting. Uh, we are, again, working... Um, our team is going to be working with uh, their youth and their farmers to create a sustainable farming program uh, through the NGO that is our client. Anyway, uh, that's what's coming up, and I'm hopefully going to be able to update you all there uh, and share what I'm experiencing. But uh, yesterday, we had a really unique, incredible day in Lagos itself. Uh, we met this uh, lady called Nike. Uh, she is a famous artist in Nigeria, and she is the auntie, I'm not sure if it's literal aunt or not, of our client. Um, and they have a partnership, you know, with the NGO. Um, Anyway, Nike has an art gallery that is the biggest in West Africa. So we got to see that art gallery. But what is even cooler than all that art, which was amazing, it's four stories of wall-to-wall art everywhere, and then six or seven storerooms, she said, um, besides that. And what's cooler than that is her story of just being a hero, essentially, for uh, women, for refugees that have um, fled from you know, areas in conflict like North, northern Nigeria, where Boko Haram has terrorized large swaths of the population and displaced them, and they've come to Lagos. And when they do... They don't have any, you know, anything to do, anywhere to go. But um, this artist, who has now become just a, a famous figure in Nigeria, come from nothing herself, has started these programs to teach them art, to teach them crafts. And actually, yesterday we uh, were, we took, did a tie dye activity because one of the big things they teach is tie-dyeing um, textiles and they turn out just beautifully they have all these different ways to twist them tie them dye them and uh, we did that along with a group of maybe 30 um, you know women who had been displaced and uh, is just a really cool experience to take part in that and a lot of fun. Afterwards, even, we got to visit the uh, village. I think they called it Bokia Estate. And it's, a, it's the refugee camp down in, uh, on the beach uh, because nobody else used or wanted that land. That's where they 
kind of set up shop when they got to Lagos, and the government isn't super happy about it, but they literally don't have anywhere else to go. So, you know, they've set up a whole community there. An informal leadership structure and government of their own has kind of developed. You know, it's very orderly and uh, was really great to see, you know, how they're just making a living, still very happy, very welcoming to bring us and show us their um, community. It, it was a refugee camp, so it was rough um, conditions in some sense, but you can just tell that they're happy to be together, living together, and more importantly, safer than they ever were in their villages in the north. So overall, is a really powerful day. It was, is a really educational day for me, for our team. Got to also eat some really good Nigerian food, which is a lot spicier than I ever thought. But the trip's just beginning here, so we are jumping into our van in a few minutes, and I will. We'll see how that new kind of road trip goes. Beautiful day here in Ogidiland in Nigeria. Uh, I'm walking along a mini mountain right now at about 8 o'clock a.m. It's been, it's just an incredible, beautiful little town here in rural Nigeria that we're visiting. Uh, there are mountains just completely encircling the whole thing. They're pretty small, uh, but all forested, and then the tops are, you know, nice, I believe, I don't know, granite or volcanic rock outcroppings. Uh, you can see the whole town beneath. It's not a very big town, uh, but it is uh, full of super energetic, beautiful people. Uh, we've been getting to know them over the last few days. So to uh, back up, uh, we are here, myself and a few classmates and a faculty advisor for a project where we are working uh, to consult an NGO on how to set up a sustainable farming structure for the town and basically uh, helping them understand the profitability for two test crops. Uh, in this case, we've identified cashews and um, plantains. So we're working with, to gather all types of data on those from the local farmers. Yesterday we visited a cashew uh, farm and I had never seen these before, but it's really interesting because they all grow on these pretty big trees and the nut is actually, the seed is actually outside the fruit. So the seed is attached to the little stem and then underneath that, the fruit hangs down like a big, almost uh, racquetball sized fruit that you can actually eat in addition to the cashew within the nut casing. Uh, so 
yeah, the fruit is a little bitter, but it's also quite sweet. So if you can get past what I've heard are uh, tannins that make it so bitter and dry, um, it's really delicious. So that was a great experience. And then worked to transplant a few plantains on that same farm, hacking them because they essentially plantains are clones of each other so little sprouts shoot up at the base of current trees and uh, we hacked off a couple of those sprouts threw them in a truck to bring back to our NGO's little test garden uh, before that we talked to some of the youth leaders and tried to help them understand what we're doing and how they can help and today, coming up, we have a big town hall meeting with the whole town. So expecting, you know, over a few, probably a, a couple hundred people because this is a big event. They don't normally see a bunch of white people. So uh, we definitely stick out wherever we go and just trying to fit into the, you know, local culture as much as possible. And the best part is they you know, are, are so welcoming and they're so willing to, you know, once we show the slightest interest are willing to open up and be friends with us. I was actually last night we were, well, the first night we went, the faculty advisor and I, who is my, uh, I don't know, he hates the word boss, but boss because um, I'm actually working with the school team that I'm with as a essentially student teaching assistant. So, um, him and I walked through the the village on the first day just to kind of um, meet and greet a few people and we, we were looking for palm wine because he'd been here once before and found this local drink that is made straight from palm trees called palm wine. Essentially you just get some juice out of the palms and then it ferments a while and it's a wine. So we're looking to toast that on our first night here and had to search around a little bit, but eventually found it under one of the big trees that is a gathering spot. And the uh, woman ladled us out some big scoops that we brought back to the team at the house we're staying at. Not my favorite drink, I'll say that, but some people loved it. And then the next day, as far as actually that same tree, we had just come down another hike that we did in the evening for sunset and stopped by to get a refill on palm wine because you got to have something to go along with dinner. And there was some music playing. You could tell this particular tree on the side of the road was a big hangout for some of the younger kids. And there was some music going and they w were dancing when we got up there. But, you know, when we got out of the car, it's a... Uh, strange sight you don't know what we're doing again four white people really stick out and uh, they just kind of stopped and were looking and we felt kind of weird at first and then I just went up to one of the guys and said uh, hey show me some of your dance moves you got to teach me that so he started dancing and I started copying him and then before we knew it couple of our team had joined in and the whole thing basically turned into a, a rave so that was incredible uh, to just have some fun with the local people some of the youth especially and it's just been like I said great to experience 
um, the culture here. They're so on fire for what the NGO is doing and so ready to go. So we're really excited at the potential of our project. And it's wrapping up quickly, though, so that's, uh, you know, going too fast. Tomorrow we're heading back to Lagos in the evening. We've got a long drive. It's not too far, but the the roads are just um, very poor shape, lots of potholes, so you have to go really slow. Anyway, that's probably me rambling on long enough for now. Uh, It's, yeah, just beautiful to feel the, the breeze on top of the mountain all the school kids going to their school in uniform and you know all the rooftops of the village kind of stretching out below Um, so if you ever get the chance it's a bit out of the way it's a bit of a hike but Ogidi land is beautiful so what she's saying is when you go to the um, to the to the farms to get it, that sometimes they could pack like five of this and tell them to pay ten thousand naira. Do you understand? Now they have to negotiate. There's a little bit of a breeze off and on. It's our fourth day in Ogidi and still not used to the dripping sweat 24-7 pretty much because even at night it gets a little cooler outside but inside our house not much airflow and there are uh well it's the place is solar powered so the the electricity runs out the fan stops uh gets humid and sweaty very quickly I don't mind uh, actually not having anything but a um, bottom sheet on my air mattress. I don't think I would be able to use anything else. Um, So, yeah, it's, you know, the the price you are willing to pay for being out in a beautiful landscape. It's uh, listening to the sound of some cicadas right now. In as I look over the Ripples Garden. So uh, Ripples is the NGO we're working with that is uh, organizing the town to create sustainable farming practices, educate the local farmers and the young people becoming farmers in how to make and get the most yield out of their crops, how to get the most money for them in the market and make sure they're organized so they don't show up with, I don't know, dozens of moodles of cassava. Moodles are their unit of measurement, which is basically a non-standardized bowl. Uh, And cassava is a root tuber starch type food that grows underground and uh, very popular here because it grows well and you can get a lot of food out of it. You can chop it up into dried pieces, well, sell it whole, chop it up dried pieces or grind it into some type of flour called gari that is either white or red if you add some palm oil to it. 
learned the prices of all those things in our market research over the past couple days. So it's both been an educational and very cultural experience. You know, don't see too many chickens wandering around on the on the grounds anymore because I think we ate um, a couple of them at least over the stay. Had some catfish from the fish pond too, so that uh, they're going to restock. But um, the Ripples team has been amazing host to us, helping us, you know, to experience the local food, helping us be introduced to the local leaders. Um, yesterday, after I talked to you last, on top of the um, mini mountain over town, we had a town hall and talked with uh, all of the chiefs in front of us at the high table. And uh, there were also the women there as well, who is you know, one of the key constituents that Ripples is, is trying to serve, uh, you know, who, as you might imagine, are underserved in this rural area and helping them have uh, a means to process some of these crops and get some of their own financial freedom and independence. Anyway, that's a tangent. Um, at the town hall, you know, our team spoke about what we're doing, what we've uh, gotten, learned, and still need from them as a community, and just tried to create a lot of buy-in. So um, really more than anything, more than the beautiful nature surrounding me. It's been an incredible cultural, cultural experience, um, really understanding you know, the way of life of the people here, you know, hearing the motorbikes zip up and down the uh, paved and dirt road right outside, hearing everybody say, uh, you know, point and say, oibo, oibo. Uh, when we pass by, which means white man or white person. <laughs> so it's all types of new things. Um, actually, I was walking by myself, uh, just short stretch down the street, and you know, I stopped to say hi to some people. Um, you know, the English, especially my accent, makes it very hard to, for them to understand me. And of course, I don't know their language unfortunately, uh, but one of the grandmothers brought out her kid to, you know, maybe two-year-old at most to say hi to me, and immediately as the grandma started moving towards me, sh the kid started bawling, so that was really funny, but the grandma pushed through and brought him up to me and you know I, I held my hand out and she made him you know touch my hand and feel my skin and understand that I'm not uh, some weird sick monster yeah so most many people here it's very rare they see a white person and um, some of the kids probably never Daniel the director of the CEL who I'm working with to guide the team. He came here once before to scout out the location and you know get to know the town and the people and what we'd be doing. And uh, the people you know fell in love with him so much and were so happy he was there. They actually declared him a chief, the Caballese, the king of the 
kingdom here, Ogidi and 20 other villages, uh, named him a chief, which as we've been learning throughout the uh, our stay is actually a really big deal because there are only, you know, maybe 50 or so throughout the, I don't know if it's throughout Ogidi, the town uh, or the whole 20 villages, but he, you know, has a, a hat, a very elaborate beaded hat that he wears at the this town hall and then a staff um, or more of like a wand scepter that is made out of goat hair and he you know that's what he can use to depart his blessing on people so of course it's funny because he's very uncomfortable with all of that uh, kind of being elevated to that regard but the people here really respect him and um, the kids after the town hall they brought school kids in and they all you know crowded around different ones of us and you know, we told them about what we were doing and everything but the part one of the biggest parts that stuck out stuck out to me was some of them asked you know and they're all trying to to crowd in and get their share as close to mine as possible they asked you know what type of cream do you use and i didn't understand but apparently there's a skin whitening cream and they could not believe that my skin was natural and I always find when you bring the human element into travel, it's so much more rewarding than you could possibly get on your own as a tourist. Uh, and that's why I love doing some of these projects through school. I've gotten to travel now to Uganda last year, uh, India in the fall, Ireland uh, just a week ago, and now Nigeria, all, you know, paid for by either the school or the clients we're working with because the teams that I'm either leading or ad advising are um, you know, doing really great work for them. But the, the important thing is that we're there with a purpose and we get to meet people who are locals, who can tell us and we answer our questions about how things are done and introduce us to people and places and customs. So, you know, I'd really encourage anybody and, uh, when you travel, try and engage with the local people, of course, but also figure out how you can maybe create some sort of, you know, mission of your own or just some sort of goal that you have that allows you to engage. You know, maybe it's just you want to uh, haggle with one of the uh, local vendors in the market and have a conversation with them as you do it. Something as simple as that really can help m make a more rich experience. So we're about to all pile into our car, uh, leave Ogidi, unfortunately. Um, but I think before we have to, we do that, we need to say goodbye to the Caballese. And it, that's another thing. It's, it's just really cool to learn how their kind of, their royalty commands so much more respect. But anyway, hopefully I'll be able to check in again one more time before we take off from Lagos, where we're ultimately getting back to. Hope you all enjoyed that live report and hearing my experience in the country. Uh, and thanks for checking us out today. We'll be back next month 
with another episode. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love for you to share us with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, find us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can always get more national parks and international travel videos, posts, guides, and more on our blog at switchbackkids.com. Switchbacks out. Switchbacks out.